tell your friends the Mark and Max show is back and better than ever. Are you ready? LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show. And uh, right off the bat, Mark. Yeah. Escaped Wallaby captured after <laughs> days on an escape. Wall- the shoes are running loose again. It's an update. Yeah. A Wallaby that's escaped hours after arriving at its new home in Northern Ireland has been safely recaptured after several days on the lamb. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the female the female marsupial named Winnie escaped Sunday from event venue Glen Park Estate in the Omaga area. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing that because it's, <laughs> it's Irish. Uh, only hours after arriving at the facility with another wallaby, Richard Beatty, he's the owner of Glen Park Estate, said on their uh, Facebook page that Winnie was safely recaptured uh, and says uh, a massive thank you to everyone who helped us and sent us messages of support while this rascal went on her little adventure. Beatty and <laughs> Winnie, uh, Beatty said Winnie was not injured. Uh, the animal was located near the village of Gorton and captured with a net. Quote, we got her just after midnight. Um, Beatty and Winnie, he says Winnie now is back at, with her in, in her closure with her wallaby companion, Jeffrey. Okay, now wallaby companion means another wallaby, not a person who likes wallabies, that, that's right? That's correct, yes. Okay. Because it so was a Jeffrey's pair. not some dude wearing cool shoes like he's back in the 70s <laughs> and, you know, in the running around. Because, you know, those wallaby shoes, they have that really kind of yeah, gummy, right. weird soul. Yeah. 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 Okay. And meantime, Winnie's thinking, I never liked Jeffrey. I didn't want to be paired with Jeffrey. <laughs> I thought I was free, but no! <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And uh, hey, just one quick thing, Mark, for you and me. Okay. You know what today is? Besides Monday? August 29th, mm-hmm. 1966. The Beatles played their last live play, paid concert performance at the at Candlestick Stadium in San Francisco. Wow. Yeah. It was on this date in 1966. It seems like it was later than that, but it really wasn't. When you look at from January of 64... To August of 66, two years and eight months, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that time period, it got from, I want to hold your hand to, if you touch me, I'm going to kill somebody. You know, we're, <laughs> it, they, it just got nuts. And yeah, they knew. And it was funny because the band, all there were already rumors circling. They weren't going to play live anymore just because they couldn't. You know, you couldn't hear them. They, they got way past that. And, and yeah, on top yeah. of everything else, even for the time, um, their promoters for live shows were never very good. Um, and it had to do a lot with Brian Epstein not being a, you know, he was their manager, Yeah, but he, he just managed them and any other artists that he picked up was because of the Beatles. He wasn't the manager that helped craft them into what they were. He basically got them and packaged them, but knew nothing about putting on a live performance, what right, was yeah. needed in turn. And, and also there had been no band before the Beatles that could play a stadium, you know, they needed a stadium to play in because of the number of people who wanted to see them, mm. but nobody had, you know, they had done outdoor things, but not like this. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, so the sound was always not, it, the sound was always bad. Plus the people screaming, nobody could really, they couldn't hear themselves most of the time. Right. And I remember, um, you know, they would talk about, uh, uh, how loud it would be and how they felt like, why are we even bothering? You know, it doesn't matter what we do. Yeah. And anyway, so the, here's the thing, Mark, and this is for you and me. The host, the MC for that show was none other than Emperor Gene Nelson of KYA 1260 AM radio. Wow. <laughs> wow. Now, think about this. Emperor Gene Nelson had to have been the star of his show that <laughs> day. He's hosting the Beatles, man. Uh-huh. And he now the warm up acts. Here's the other thing. Here were the warm up acts. Now on that last concert, okay, the last and then it wasn't announced as the last concert, and it wasn't actually their last live performance. That came three years later um, at Apple. Remember when they yeah, played Get Back of, and, on top and, of the building? Yeah. yeah. And so that was the last time they performed live in front of anybody, but this was actually their last live paid concert. And, wow. um, the supporting acts was a group called the remains. Oh. I've never heard of. Huh? Then there was Bobby Hebb. Remember he had that song, uh, Sonny. Yeah. 
Okay. I remember the song. The circle. Yeah. Remember the circle, Red Rubber Ball? Okay. And, yeah. um, the, and the Ronettes. Okay. Those were the opening acts. So you had an act nobody had heard of, mm-hmm. a one-hit wonder in Bobby Hebb, a one-hit yeah. wonder in The Circle, and yeah. then the Ronettes, which, whew, they yeah. did because, you know, well, anyway. And then, of course, Emperor Gene Nelson hosted the whole thing. Wow. Um, now, the other part of it, it was on August 29th, 1966, 8 o'clock at night. It was, uh, um, oh, um, it was foggy. It was San Francisco, so not something unheard of. Hmm. Uh, but the wind was blowing. And here it is, August 29th, and it was so cold that Emperor Gene said, I'm freezing my buns out here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And because they were the Beatles, every celebrity that was in Northern California converged on right. Candlestick Stadium that yeah. night to hang out with them. So yeah. you had Joan Baez backstage, all right? Wow. You know, and she's not performing. She's just backstage hanging right. out. Yeah. And they said every local celebrity was there plus. All of the press had used their credentials to get children, you know, their daughters or whatever backstage. Oh, uh, yeah. And so it was just this huge party. So the Beatles didn't even come on. It starts at 8. They don't come on until almost 9.30. Yeah. And, and then they play an 11-song set list. Here, you know, and and it, you think of the Beatles and how they could play. I mean, just up through then, don't, you've got to, you know, you're talking pre-Sergeant Peppers here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, talking 1966. Yeah. But still... You have a laundry list of massive hits before then. Right. Here's what they played. Rock and roll music, the Chuck mm. Berry standard. Yeah, yeah. She's a woman. If I needed someone, day tripper, babies in black, I feel fine. Yesterday, I want to be your man, nowhere man, paperback writer, and long tall Sally. Wow. That was their 11 song set list. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> you would have thought, you would have thought they would have played more of their songs. Yep, I know. That's what I'm going. If I paid now, here's the other part of this. Okay, and this is what we don't, what we forget. Okay, in the summer of '66, that's when in Birmingham, Alabama, two old guys, well, they were young back then. Mm -hmm. You know, they had the Beatle burning records thing because you know John Lennon had made the comment. You know, he wasn't saying they were better than Jesus. He just compared them to fame. The fame had gotten to them. Yeah. Yeah. And it was always loud, screaming, chasing. They couldn't have a life. And John was, that, that was the one thing the other guys all said. John was ready to be done. Yeah, you know, yeah, he just, yeah. it made no sense to him to do what they were doing because they weren't having fun on stage. They couldn't hear themselves on stage. And it's like, what are we doing here? And, you know, and it made sense. It, mm-hmm. Of course, look at their out what they did after they stopped touring, you know, right. when their time was yeah. just in studio. And you're going, yeah. wow, you know, okay. Yeah. So. Anyway, they all kind of yeah. pulled a Brian Wilson and just did their studio stuff then. Right, yeah. But anyway, I, watched, I thought you'd appreciate that. I watched two out of the three parts of that, uh, the Beatles thing that was on uh, Apple TV. Oh, yeah. yeah, about Let It Be. Yeah. And um, I didn't watch the third part because by the end of the second one, I was I was done with it. I mean, it was just so depressing yeah. because yeah. it just showed. And, and it's nothing. It hasn't been out there before, really. Right. It's just that yeah. Peter Jackson. Um, the director yeah. took the took the stuff and packaged it in a different way, and right. but the thing is that it was just to to see the end of the band, yeah. Watching it, it's just it's working its way that because I I think all of them but Paul quit at one point, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know it's interesting that let it be the whole let it be sessions. You know, we you yeah. look at that and you're watching the disintegration of a band. Right. They even felt it after they got oh, done with that. Yeah, you know, yeah. and that's why. But here's the thing. Let It Be was released as their last you know, studio album with mm. Bill Spector coming in and ruining it with all his overproduction. Yes. But it wasn't the last album recorded by the Beatles. Mm. It's, it was released last. The last album recorded by the Beatles with George Martin as the producer and everything was actually Abbey Road. Yeah. Abbey Road yeah. was recorded after Let It Be, yeah. but it was released before Let It Be. Huh. Because they were all apart. And what had happened was John... And Paul, after the Let It Be session, said, this was bad. We need, <laughs> yeah. we just need to get, this is not us. Right. Let's go into the studio with George. And they called him up and said, we just want to come to you. Yeah. They left the women aside. They went in the studio. And that's they why Abbey on. Road, yeah. Yeah. if you listen to it, Abbey Road is a cohesive album. But they yeah. did have a lot of songs that weren't finished. And that's why they created the medley. Yeah. Because they didn't want to work on them. They were done as a band, but they did not want to let it be to be the wow. last thing. That's why we have Abbey Road. And Yikes. that's why it was so, I think, so good and mm. so fun is they were like, this is it. We're going out on top. You right, know, yeah. let it be, not us. 
this mm-hmm. is us. And that's why I was, I was so thankful about that because yeah. I mean, let it be is okay. You got the long and running road and fool on the hill, right? You know, let it be, but just, you want to grab, you know what? Is he still in prison or is he dead? Bill Spector. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Either way you look at it, that crazy man ruined some great stuff, you know? Yeah, he did. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, um, many's the time I've wondered, yes. is there a Guinness Book of World Records for a pickle before it becomes a pickle when it's still a cucumber? Funny Do we you, have should, that? you should ask that. It's odd that you should ask. What is that? It's a major award. Shucks, I wouldn't know that. It looks like a lamb. Yep, an amateur gardener broke a Guinness World Record by growing a massive cucumber measuring three feet, 8.6 inches in length. Guinness World Records said Sebastian Suski, who's from Poland and now lives in Southampton in England, earned the record for longest cucumber when he his harvested vegetable was confirmed to be two and a half inches longer than the previous record holder. Um, Suski said, uh, I'd grown big cucumbers, but never quite long enough to beat the existing Guinness World Records title holder. Growing super long cucumbers is a risky business, he says. If you cut it too soon, you're not going to have a record breaker. But if you leave it too long, you get into the danger zone. You risk your cucumber rotting as it grows. You don't want it exploding on you. <laughs> I'd never. No, thought, you wouldn't want that. <laughs> I'd never thought of exploding cucumbers before, but now I'll keep that in mind. Wow. So he said uh, he nearly missed out on the record when he had to be hospitalized while growing the big veggie. He said ve- uh, doctors found a leaking blood vessel in his head, so he had to spend a week in the hospital. Uh, but uh, fortunately, his wife Renata was on hand to take care of the cucumber and keep wow. uh, keep the cucumber well watered and nourished. He says that without Renata, he wouldn't have his world record. Wow. Thankfully, he didn't live in Alabama and have a black neighbor that had to come over and water it, you know? Because, wow. Yeah. That's funny. No, you know what the story I'm talking about, right? Or no? No, no I don't. Uh-uh. Oh, black pastor down in. Oh, we'll talk about it in a minute. Okay. Dude goes, he's, his neighbors are gone. He's over there watering his flowers. And what happens? Mm-hmm. A Karen calls the police. And they oh. show up and end up arresting the guy. Oh. He's watering their flowers. Oh, I my get you the details goodness. coming up. All right. All right. It's the Mark and Mac show. I've <laughs> okay. got to tell this story, Mark. <laughs> we have to do a follow-up, please. <laughs> a few minutes ago, we were making a, I was making a joke. The guy's growing this huge cucumber. He goes in the hospital for a week. He's worried that his uh, you know, world record cucumber could be at risk because he's in the hospital. Right. But his wife was able to water it, and there mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. Well, a family goes out of town. Now, this happened here in Alabama, um, in Sylacauga, and, or Childersburg, actually, which Childersburg and Sylacauga are right one, near mm-hmm. one another. Anyway, there's an officer. His name is uh, Michael Jennings. And Michael Jennings is a pastor at Vision of Abundant Life Ministries in Sylacauga. He is uh, not operating in his pastoral. Um, he's not do, He's not working as a pastor at the moment, you know, in terms of what he was doing when the police came up on him. He was watering his neighbor's flowers. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. So his neighbors were out of town. He's over there watering the flowers. The police pull up and they've they've got body cam, you know, from the cops. So you see all this going on. And they come up to him. Now, again, you're in a neighborhood with houses. You're watering flowers. And police roll up on you. What are you doing? I'm watering my neighbor's flowers. They're out of town. They asked me to water them. And anyway, it devolves into this where the police end up demanding, well, where do you live? No, he said, do you live here? He goes, no, I don't live here. He identified himself as, I am Pastor Michael Jennings. Mm. I live across the street. My neighbors are out of town. I'm watering their stuff. They asked me to do this. And again, Mark, he wasn't seen crawling in a window. Right. He was yeah. seen watering their flowers. Right. So, the poli- so, now, he, Ms. so pa- I have to ask, was he seen by Gladys Kravitz? And she called the police? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yes. I'm with you. But that's the part that gets me, Okay. They, they're going through this whole rigmarole, though. And my first thought is this. Okay. 
I'm doing a, I'm just watering my neighbor's flowers and the cop, two white cops roll up. It's a black guy. Right. It, take you have to keep race in this you cannot take it out of this equation okay right, yeah normally i say take race out of the equation and it still happens it's not a deal i don't know that this does happen without race right yeah because a white guy watering somebody's flowers mrs kravitz ain't calling the cops right yeah black man watering flowers is now here's the thing um i'll tell the punchline the woman that called it in mark the neighbor the cops you know they're calling back to dispatch saying hey get the the you know they have codes for everything the right, 72 yeah. or whatever yeah. anyway you know the person that made the complaint can you get them out to find out if this guy really does live here you know that kind of thing and she does she comes out in the yard and she finally admits oh yeah i do know that guy he does live over they are best friends mm -hmm. you know he uh, would be over uh, there watering uh, so uh, she made a mistake gosh. she saw wow but white woman a, you know 30-ish white woman calls yeah. the cops over yeah. a black man yeah. in the yard then here's the deal there was also a car that she didn't recognize there. So here's the call to the cops. There's a man around this house and there's a car I don't recognize. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there, anyway, so the cops show up now, it wasn't just one police officer. Oh, it was two. Yes. Yeah. So you got two cops. A man is watering. Now at first when they come up on him and they, now he's watering the flowers. He, I didn't, you know, who are you? I'm pastor Jennings. I live across the street. My friends live here. I'm watering their flowers, which is exactly what he was doing. Mark. Right. Yeah. He was, he had, he, when they came up, he's got a hose in his hand. He's watering flowers. Right. It's not like he was, you know, lurking. He actually was watering flowers when they came up on him. Right. <laughs> they, you got any ID on you? No. Why do I need to show you ID? I've done anything wrong. Mm. And this is where now I immediately went on his side, the man watering the flowers, because the police took a toot. Mm. And it was, yes, you do have to show us your ID. And I'm going to tell you what, friends, I don't buy it. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was watering flowers. Well, and the cops are like, show me your papers, man. Show me your papers. We got a call. And so there's the friction. That's where it began. And the reason I say this is because it, there has to be a reason the guy's watering flowers. And this is what one of the cops says. Okay. One of the cops actually said to the man, um, how do I know you're watering? How do I know what you're doing? You know, you say you're watering. How do I know? Yeah. You know, because that's what I'm doing. I have a hose with water in my hand. I'm watering flowers. The police took a very aggressive attitude towards him because the pastor, he was, he did, he, he got, he got south on him. Okay. He did go from being, I'm just watering my neighbor's flowers to, all right, guys, enough's enough, mm. you know? And this is where we are in our society now. Um, with everything that is going on, you've got a man watering his neighbor's flowers. He's the pastor of a church. And the police are demanding he show them ID. He didn't have ID on him. I mean, why would he? He was, you know, he's watering his neighbor's flowers. Do you grab your ID and everything else when you go outside to water? No. No, but and I, I also, no. I also don't tell the cops. I don't have to show you ID. I tell the cops. I'm sorry, my ID is across the street in the house. Would you like? Would you can come over here and I'll get it. Yes. Instead of I copying, gotcha. instead of copying an attitude, which no, and that I disagree. is no. He, I watched. Did you no, watch the video? No, I don't okay. have to. I don't Go, have to. But I, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Let me tell you why. Watch the 23 minute long video, Mark. And when you see, I understand the guy was very polite at first, but the he, but he does. Mr. Pastor Jennings does say, I'm watering my neighbor's flowers. I'm going to keep watering my neighbor's. You don't have a right to come over and harass me when another the first officer that comes up there he's pretty calm you know and he realizes what's going on and he's being cool being nice it was a second officer that came up there red neckerson's brother uh -huh. and when little red neckerson comes up he now has an attitude he becomes confrontational he becomes demanding and he threatens this man who by the way still had a water hose in his hand the whole thing was ridiculous, hmm. but it was Red Neckerson's little brother. How do I know what you're doing? Because you can see I'm doing this. 
it could have been different if he said, sure, I'll show you my papers. You know, sure. Let's be nice. Let's be pals. Let's go across. The st- I'll take you to my house. I'll show you my ID. Come on. You know what? Come on in. But you know it, what, Mark? But it the would. minute Red Neckerson showed up and copped an attitude, uh-uh. You're going to have to, you know what, cuff me and take me downtown. I'm going to tell you why. He ain't coming in my house. If that redneck showed up in my front yard, he ain't coming in my house, Mark. I don't know who he is. I know I can name three police officers right now that I actually know that if I saw them off duty, I'm telling you, there'd be trouble because they do not. They shouldn't be carrying a gun or a badge. They're unqualified. They're evil. They're horrible. They treat their women. They've got 10 kids out of wedlock kind of thing. They're horrible individuals, but they carry a gun and a badge. Mm. And this red Neckerson that showed up, I'm telling you, he's that guy. He's the guy who shouldn't be carrying a gun and a badge. No, I don't want him in my house. Guy's watering flowers. The thing is, the white middle-aged, 30-year-old woman who comes out, oh, yeah, I do know him. Uh, yeah, they, yeah they, she vouches for the dude. She calls the law and then vouches for the guy. They still took him to jail in handcuffs. Take him to jail, and they later drop charges. Well, I'm telling you, my first thought was you should have you could have changed all of this, sir. You shouldn't have been so confrontational. Mm-hmm. And I did. I watched the whole 23 minutes of it. And then I went, wait a minute. They don't have a right. The Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution prevents you from illegal searches and seizures. It's oftentimes applied to searching a car, but it applies to your home. It applies to your person. You have to give them a reason. And by the way, a reason is not a neighbor called in and claimed something. The neighbor called in and claimed, well, then my neighbor could call in and claim that he thinks I've got, I'm holding people hostage in my house or something. They have to have a reasonable belief that this is taking place. They have to have a reasonable belief that something illegal is taking place. And by the way, Pastor Jennings, Mark, he's a former police officer. He knew his rights. That's why he copped an attitude. Watch the video. It's the Mark and Mac show. I've <laughs> okay. got to tell this story, Mark. We have to do a follow-up, please. <laughs> a few minutes ago, we were making a, I was making a joke. The guy's growing this huge cucumber. He goes in the hospital for a week. He's worried that his, uh, you know, world record cucumber could be at risk because he's in the hospital. Right. But his wife was able to water it. And there mm-hmm. you go. Yeah. Well, a family goes out of town. Now this happened here in Alabama, um, in Sylacauga and, or Childersburg actually, which Childersburg and Sylacauga are right one near mm-hmm. one another. Anyway. There's an officer. His name is uh, Michael Jennings. And Michael Jennings is a pastor at Vision of Abundant Life Ministries in Sylacauga. He is uh, not operating in his pastoral. Um, he's, not do, he's not working as a pastor at the moment, you know, in terms of what he was doing when the police came up on him. He was watering his neighbor's flowers. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. So his neighbors are out of town. He's over there watering the flowers. The police pull up and they've. They've got body cam, you know, from the cops. So you see all this going on and they come up to him. Now, again, you're in a neighborhood with houses. You're watering flowers and police roll up on you. What are you doing? (laughs) I'm watering my neighbor's flowers. They're out of town. They asked me to water them. And anyway, it devolves into this where the police end up demanding, well, where do you live? No, he said, do you live here? He goes, no, I don't live here. He identified himself as, I am Pastor Michael Jennings. Hmm. I live across the street. My neighbors are out of town. I'm watering their stuff. They asked me to do this. And again, Mark, he wasn't seen crawling in a window. Right. He was yeah. seen watering their flowers. Right. So, the poli- so, now he, Ms. Pat- so I have to ask, was he seen by Gladys Kravitz? And she called the police? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. Yes. I'm with you. But... That's the part that gets me, okay? They, they're going through this whole rigmarole, though. And my first thought is this. Okay, I'm, doing a, I'm just watering my neighbor's flowers, and the co- two white cops roll up. It's a black guy. Right. It, take, you have to keep race in this. You cannot take it out of this equation, okay? Right. Yeah. Normally, I say take race out of the equation, and it still happens. It's not a deal. I don't know that this does happen without race. Right, yeah. Because a white guy watering somebody's flowers Mrs. Kravitz ain't calling the cops. Right, yeah. Black man watering flowers is. Now, here's the thing. Um, I'll tell the punchline. The woman that called it in, Mark, the neighbor, the cops, 
you know, they're calling back to dispatch saying, Hey, get the, the, you know, they have codes for everything, the right, 72 yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, you know, the person that made the complaint, can you get them out to find out if this guy really does live here? You know, that kind of thing. And she does, she comes out in the yard and she finally admits, Oh yeah, I do know that guy. He does live over. They are best friends. Mm. You know, he uh, would be over uh, there watering. Uh, so uh, she made a mistake. Uh, she saw wow. but white woman, a, you know, 30 ish white woman calls yeah. the cops over yeah. a black man yeah. in the yard. Now, here's the deal. There was also a car that she didn't recognize. There, so here's the call to the cops. I, there's a man in, around this house, and there's a car I don't recognize, okay? Mm-hmm. And there, anyway, so the cops show up. Now, it wasn't just one police officer. Oh, it was two. Yes. Yeah. So you got two cops. A man is watering. Now, at first, when they come up on him, and they now he's watering the flowers. He ident- You know, who are you? I'm Pastor Jennings. I live across the street. My friends live here. I'm watering their flowers, which mm-hmm. is exactly what he was doing. Mark. Right. Yeah. He was. He had. He, when they came up, he's got a hose in his hand. He's watering flowers. Right. It's not like he was, you know, lurking. He actually was watering flowers when they came up on him. Right. <laughs> they. You got any ID on you? No. Why do I need to show you ID? I've I've done anything wrong. Mm. And this is where now I immediately went on his side, the man watering the flowers, because the police took a tood. And it was, yes, you do have to show us your ID. And I'm going to tell you what, friends, I don't buy it. He wasn't doing anything wrong. He was watering flowers. Well, and the cops are like, show me your papers, man. Show me your papers. We got a call. And so there's the friction. That's where it began. And the reason I say this is because it there has to be a reason. The guy's watering flowers. And this is what one of the cops says, okay? One of the cops actually said to the man, um, how do I know you're watering? How do I know what you're doing? You, know, you say you're watering. How do I know? You know? Because that's what I'm doing. I have a hose with water in my hand. I'm watering flowers. The police took a very aggressive attitude towards him because the pastor, he was, he did, he, he got, he got south on him. Okay. He did go from being, I'm just watering my neighbor's flowers to, all right, guys, enough's enough, mm. you know? And this is where we are in our society now, um, with everything that is going on, you've got a man watering his neighbor's flowers. He's the pastor of a church. And the police are demanding he show them ID. He didn't have ID on him. I mean, why would he? He was, you know, he's watering his neighbor's flowers. Do you grab your ID and everything else when you go outside to water? No. No, but and I, I also, no. I also don't tell the cops I don't have to show you ID. I tell the cops I'm sorry, my ID is across the street in the house. Would you like? Would you can come over here and I'll get it. Yes. Instead of I copping, instead of copping an attitude, which no, and that I disagree. is no. He, I watched. Did you no, watch the video? No, I don't okay. have to. I don't Go, have to. But I, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Let me tell you why. Watch the 23 minute long video, Mark. And when you see, I understand the guy was very polite at first, but the he, but he does. Mr. Pastor Jennings does say, I'm watering my neighbor's flowers. I'm going to keep watering my neighbor's. You don't have a right to come over and harass me when Another, the first officer that comes up there, he's pretty calm, you know, and he realizes what's going on and he's being cool, being nice. It was a second officer that came up there, Red Neckerson's brother. Uh And when little Red Neckerson comes up, he now has an attitude. He becomes confrontational. He becomes demanding and he threatens this man who, by the way, still had a water hose in his hand. The whole thing was ridiculous, Mm. but it was Red Neckerson's little brother. How do I know what you're doing? Because you can see I'm doing this. It could have been different if he said, sure, I'll show you my papers. You know, sure. Let's be nice. Let's be pals. Let's go across. Mm. I'll take you to my house. I'll show you my ID. Come on. You know what? Come on in. But you know what, Mark? The minute Red Neckerson showed up and copped an attitude, uh uh-uh. You're going to have to, you know what, cuff me and take me downtown. I'm going to tell you why. He ain't coming in my house. If that redneck showed up in my front yard, he ain't coming in my house, Mark. I don't know who he is. I know I can name three police officers right now that I actually know that if I saw them off duty, I'm telling you, there'd be trouble because they do not, they shouldn't be carrying a gun or a badge. They're unqualified. They're evil. They're horrible. They treat their women. They've got 10 kids out of wedlock kind of thing. They're horrible individuals, but they carry a gun and a badge. Mm. 
and this Red Neckerson that showed up, I'm telling you, he's that guy. He's the guy who shouldn't be carrying a gun and a badge. No, I don't want him in my house. Guy's watering flowers. The thing is, the white middle-aged 30-year-old woman who comes out, oh, yeah, I do know him. Uh, yeah, they, yeah they, she vouches for the dude. She calls the law and then vouches for the guy. They still took him to jail in handcuffs. Take him to jail, and they later drop charges. Well, I'm telling you, my first thought was you should have you could have changed all of this, sir. You shouldn't have been so confrontational. Mm -hmm. And I did. I watched the whole 23 minutes of it. And then I went, wait a minute. They don't have a right. The Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution prevents you from illegal searches and seizures. It's oftentimes applied to searching a car, but it applies to your home. It applies to your person. You have to give them a reason. And by the way, a reason is not a neighbor called in and claimed something. The neighbor called in and claimed, well, then my neighbor could call in and claim that he thinks I've got, I'm holding people hostage in my house or something. They have to have a reasonable belief that this is taking place. They have to have a reasonable belief that something illegal is taking place. And by the way, Pastor Jennings, Mark, he's a former police officer. He knew his rights. That's why he copped an attitude. Watch the video. LifeRadio.fm, Mark and Mac Show. And, you know, every day, Mark and I have some dog, cat, story, snakes, <laughs> frogs, you know. Locusts. At least one. You never yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. But when a California man has to plead guilty to smuggling 1,700 animals, Woo. I have to wonder, what in the world was he doing? Was, mm. Is this the monkey from the movie um, <laughs> Outbreak? No, this is a guy... This is a guy trying to make a few dollars is what it is. A California man who smuggled more than 1,700 wild animals into the United States, including 60 reptiles hidden in his clothing, pleaded guilty last Wednesday to federal charges. Prosecutors said that in 2000, that from 2016 to this February, Jose Manuel Perez, he's 30, from Oxnard, and his accomplices used social media to arrange to smuggle animals from Mexico and Hong Kong. Most were reptiles and included Yucatan box turtles, Mexican box turtles, baby crocodiles, and Mexican beaded lizards, according to a statement from the U.S. Department of Justice. I'm, Mark, I'm still stuck on including 60 reptiles hidden in his clothing. Yes. Yes. I'm just, all right. The, that was the opening line. Mm -hmm. A California man <laughs> smuggled more than 1,700 wild animals into the United States, including 60 reptiles hidden in his clothing. Yep. Are we talking at one time or a cumulative effect here? <laughs> if you're where, if you've got sit, how do you hide 60 of anything on your person yep. at one time? Yeah. I can't get through TSA without getting glares from people. This guy gets through TSA with reptiles in his clothes. Wow. Go figure. <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy, he, uh, Let's see, he paid accomplices a crossing fee to drive animals from Mexico to El Paso, Texas, where he had them shipped to his family's Ventura County home, and then he resold them to customers throughout the United States. He also made some three dozen trips to Mexico himself to pick up animals, and on February 25th, he was arrested while trying to enter the United States with 60 reptiles hidden in bags in his clothing. Uh, three of those reptiles did die. The smuggled reptiles were worth about $739,000. Wow. That's some expensive lizards. I'm telling Good you. Buddy. Yeah. Perez fled to Tijuana in June while out on bond, but was quickly captured and returned to the United States. He could face up to 20 years in federal prison for each smuggling count when he's sentenced on December 1st. <laughs> 20 Can't years times 1,700. <laughs> he's going to be yeah. there a while. Well, my goodness, 17. Again, we are dealing with animals, okay? Yeah. Breaking the law. I got you. We got murderers not doing this much time, but You're I got right. you. Yes, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> you ever see the movie The Freshman with uh, um, Al, uh, Brando? and? Oh, yeah, um, I know the movie, yeah. Yeah, Matthew Broderick. Right. It, it's where they had a whole restaurant that was devoted to serving up exotic animals that were mm -hmm. endangered. Yep. And... They didn't really do that. I mean, they were smug they were smuggling them in, and it was a whole big thing. But they weren't they weren't really serving them up. They were actually serving up regular, you know, 
alligators or whatever are legal to do, but right. they were acting like, so somebody's in there thinking they're eating like the last of, there's only three of these birds <laughs> remaining and I'm eating one of them, you know? Right. Wow. That's what this guy was trying. Uh-huh. LifeRadio.fm. It's the Mark and Mac show where, by gosh and bigora, we're <laughs> headed over to the UK. Yes, we are. A teacher in the UK has been left in a tizzy after her dog, her dog, munched his way through her students' summer homework. Mm. <laughs> wow. Students were preparing for a new school year, and one teacher has been desperately trying to piece their half-eaten homework back together to get the year started sharing her disaster picture on reddit she wrote when you're a teacher and your dog eats everyone's homework finding the funny side of a situation one user joked she'll now have to give everybody an a grade that's not a joke man that's a lawyer or over there a barrister showing up at the front door saying uh it's one thing to tell your teacher that the dog ate your homework homework but when your homework and everybody else's is eaten by the teacher's dog hello man liferadio.fm the mark and mac show as we uh, head into what is shaping up to be a, a long five-day work week which oh. i don't understand well it's because next week don't we have monday isn't is labor day coming up Next labor day labor day is coming up here let me pull my calendar back Man, up again it's i mean it's, it's gotta week, be soon it's a week from today all right, so you and I have got to have a plan here for somehow sneaking <laughs> in a whole week of them, and we'll figure it out. But anyway, yeah. so any way you look at it, this will either be, what, the third or fourth week in a row we've done a five-day work week. Yeah, I think it's the fourth week, yeah. All right, fourth week if we do it. And that's a big if because, mm-hmm. you know, hey, man, Star Trek was, what, on a five-year mission? <laughs> canceled after three. Three, yeah. <laughs> We're on a five-day mission. Could be canceled after Wednesday. But... We know for definitely sure that next week it's only going to be a four-day work week. So we right. got that going for us. Yeah. That and the fact that on our deathbed, we will receive perfect consciousness. <laughs> All right. So we got that so going Mark, for us. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like that gunga. Which is Yeah. Down to 10,000 foot crap. Hey, something for the uh, trouble. All right. The effort. <laughs> so an air fryer left on overnight yeah. causes a destructive kitchen fire. I thought air fryers were like the perfect kitchen tool. I, they're very popular. I know that. Uh, we have one. We use it. I think we use it almost every single day for something. Um, wow. Because ours is kind of like, it's kind of like a toaster oven, but it's also an air fryer. And so you can mm-hmm. toss a couple of pieces of bread in there. You can, I mean, you can do all kinds of different things with it. And, uh, it's a very handy thing. Very, they're very popular, but you don't leave one over on overnight because it could like in Spring Hill, Florida, spark a devastating kitchen fire. Hernando County fire crews were called in just after 6 AM to a home in Galliano court near County line road there. The, Homeowner called fire crews to say the kitchen was on fire. Within minutes, fire crews were on the scene and reported seeing smoke and fire coming from the roof of the home. The fire was quickly brought under control, and they got it put out. Once the fire was put out, fire chiefs, fire crews said the damage resulted in a total loss of the kitchen and also caused roof damage. Everybody was able to get out of the home, including the pets, though, and no injuries were reported. Investigators said the fire was indeed caused by an air fryer that was left on throughout the night yikes there you go so somebody in that family really likes their tots you know i just how do you even do that because they'll have timers i thought they yeah. did they, yeah. uh, I, the one the one we have does i mean you it, yeah they all have electronic interfaces now it's not like you just switch it on and on, leave it on high mm-hmm. i don't think any of them right. do that hmm. yeah so i'm questioning this report we know yeah. yeah somebody did something but i don't I, again i'm trying to think of because they're all different and i mean why would there because an air fryer is supposed to be a short-term thing you don't use them for a long time that's what a crock pot is for right maybe it could be that this was faulty there was something wrong with it and instead instead of shutting down it stayed on and they weren't aware of it that could be the case Hmm. so i'm smelling something other than burned meat i'm smelling Mm -hmm. lawsuit yep liferadio.fm the mark and mac show where you and i used to make jokes about walmart you know and 
the things you see in Walmart, and and I get it. I mean, because well, we have all seen weird things at Walmart, but yep. now there are Dollar Generals on every other store. As a matter of fact, you can see a Dollar General buying out a Starbucks location. You know, they're putting these things everywhere. You can stand in the parking lot of a Dollar General and see another one in the distance. Right. I mean, right next to the Waffle House, you know, and like good grief, man. So when you have a story that says shoppers are shocked, I'm really not. So here we go. Shoppers were joined by an unexpected patron Friday when a female white-tailed deer wandered into the Dollar General's store on martin luther king drive in jackson uh jackson tennessee i uh, connie mcginnis a customer at the store at the time said i was shopping and i heard a commotion coming from the front of the store i heard people calling out oh no mcginnis turned around to see the deer walking straight toward her down the aisle she said i was stunned for a quick minute and then i got out my phone a report of the animal's escapades reached the Jackson Police Department about uh, 1246 that afternoon. Uh, Jackson Police said fire services, uh, so says uh, Jackson Police and Fire Services Director Elmer Hitt. Within a few minutes, officers from JPD and Jackson County Animal Control arrived to help lead the doe back out of the store. McGinnis said it seemed as scared as we were, but it didn't run around or seem upset. Another shopper told McGinnis they saw the deer walk into the store through an open sliding door at the front of the building. Isn't that how everybody gets inside the building? I mean, come on. Um, The deer was in the building for about 20 minutes before the police guided it outside an open door by barricading the aisles with boxes and carts. (laughs) They gave it no place to go except out. Yeah. Wow. Among all the things you can see at uh, Dollar General, that's not the one I would expect. No. You know? No. You know, deer in particular, because of their hooves, you know, they have trouble getting traction on right. hard slick surfaces i can't imagine them being able to move around real good in there you know yeah not in a panic no no that's what i had one jump out in front of me uh going down the road and oh. i happened to see him it was one of those things where i was accelerating to get up to speed so i wasn't going so fast i couldn't stop right and i caught him out of the left hand side and as he jumped onto the roadway it was like him he was on ice you yeah, know it's yeah. like ding he slipped everywhere and i was like holy moly it never occurred to me you mm. know that a deer, but they don't. Their little hooves can't gain traction. So I'm yeah. wondering how this deer, you know, maybe this deer might not have been a deer. It could have been two dudes that were dressed up like a deer. They were planning on thieving the store. That could have been it. Not the cleverest robbery scheme I've ever heard, but it works. The Mark and Mac Show. liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know there's one of those movies that mark congleton <laughs> it, it has a special place in his heart and because of that my family started watching it and Haley, my daughter my oldest daughter actually got into the movie for a long time i assume she still is it's called a christmas story mm-hmm. and I always thought this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. But I think that's the point. I've watched it so many times, Mark, and it's your fault. Hey, you're welcome. That's why, even with our Guinness Book of World Records thing, you know, yep. it's like we've got the, it's yep. from the leg lamp, which yep. is from a Christmas story. That's right. Yeah. That's him there. That's what is that? It's a major award. Shucks, I wouldn't have known that. It looks like a lamp. Standing out on the sidewalk, talking to the neighbor, looking at the leg lamp in the in the front window of the house. Wife totally embarrassed. And completely mortified. But still, one of the best parts of that movie is changing the tire. Though it is. It is. The changing the tire is great. And him kidding is... I mean, not the cussing part. It's just know, funny it's just, how things have changed. Just, because yeah. back in... I mean, changing a tire back in the day, it was like a every man could change a tire you had to oh, it was part of the rules of driving yep. and the fact that now that in the movie uh, that clint eastwood did a couple of years ago called the mule um he's driving he's and he, it doesn't matter but he pulls over he's an old man he pulls over because there's a, a a car that is on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere and they got a flat tire and he get clint eastwood gets out and goes to help them because this man and I, he, you know, is in his thirties. He appears to be. He's got a wife and kids, and he doesn't know how to change the tire on a car. Yeah, 
And it's like, and the thing is, he was trying to Google it, but they're in the middle of nowhere and his cell phone wasn't working. So he couldn't figure out how to do it. So there you go. Yep. In the movie, A Christmas Story, it really does hit home when he's changing the tire that if you're a grown man and you do not, or no, if you're the driver of a car and you don't know how to change a tire, it's time to learn. Yep, it is. Because you also might learn how to cuss. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then you might, you might learn the difference in the way's different yes. soaps taste uh-huh. <laughs> well the movie christmas story it looks like they're they're ramping up for a sequel a christmas story christmas is a sequel to the 1983 cult classic a christmas story and it will be released thursday november 17th on hbo max wow. the 70s set movie sequel which hails from screenwriter nick uh shank uh, he's the guy behind Grand Torino and Cry, and Cry Macho. We'll see the original child actor, Peter Billingsley, he, who is now 51, reprise his role as Ralphie Parker. He'll be joined by fellow original film stars, Ian Petrella, who was Randy in the original, Zach Ward, who was Scott Farkas, and Scott Swartz, who was Flick, and R.D. Wow. Robb, who was Schwartz. So all the kids wow. are back. In A Christmas wow. Story Christmas, an adult Ralphie returns to the house on Cleveland Street to deliver his kids a magical Christmas like the one he had growing up, according to the official logline. With the same attention to real-life tone of the first, Ralphie reconnects with childhood friends, reconciles the passing of his old man, and sows the seeds for the origins of the beloved holiday classic. The wow. uh, the cast also includes Julie Haggerty. She was in Airplane, if you'll remember, uh, who is reportedly playing Ralphie's mom. That was a role originally played by Melinda Dillon. A Christmas Story was only a modest box store office uh, success upon its initial theatrical release back in 83 but over time the film became a cult classic thanks in part to tbs's annual (laughs) 24-hour marathon it starts on christmas eve and ends the following night on december 25th so wow yeah unbelievable christmas story christmas but it already had a theatrical sequel which i didn't know yeah um well there have been a few things i mean there was a musical there was uh oh yeah Wow. <laughs> yes. It's had some, there have been other attempts at making a buck on going back yeah. <laughs> for the search for more money, you know. Right. <laughs> like Spaceballs yeah. too. The search mm-hmm. for more money. They've tried that with wow. the Christmas story a handful of times. You know what could be neat? Is what? if they do this. Okay, you got your Christmas story and you got the whole cast coming back. Is bring back the cast of the Sandlot and oh. let them go at it in a game, you know. <laughs> there you go. All grown up, you know. Mm-hmm. LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show, and I don't remember the last time we had a show where an alligator somehow wasn't mentioned, and I don't know if this is like part of man-made global warming climate change that alligators are now, you know, because we know alligators are actually dinosaurs. They grow their entire life, and they keep growing until they die, which means if they were able to live long enough, they would be a dinosaur size, right? Maybe. So, Could be. I think this is why we have more of these stories. I think it's a plant. See, these <laughs> the, the crazy lefties, you know, they want us all to believe that we have caused all these problems. And if not for us, this alligator could grow forever. And mm. uh, there you oh, So no. they keep planting these stories, Mark. Yeah. And now we have an alligator found hanging out by a louisiana home's backyard pool yeah sheriff's deputies were summoned to a louisiana home to wrangle a small gator found hanging out by the backyard pool the bozier paris parish's uh, sheriff's office there said in a facebook post that deputies steve hoff connor mclaughlin and austin mueller responded to jerry and kirsten lawrence's benton home when they found an alligator near the swimming pool in the backyard the deputies re- uh, relocated the little gator to bodcal i guess that's how you pronounce it bodcal wildlife management area in benton uh, the sheriff juan willington or julian juan hello mark julian willington said many of our animal calls range from loose livestock horses and dogs sometimes alligators our deputies just have to be prepared for almost any call that comes in because you never know what the day will bring you know, the the only nine one one call would be from my neighbors reporting the gunshots fired in my backyard.
liferadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And there are a couple things you can bank on with our show. And a lot of times it doesn't end up on the air. It's just stuff we talk about off the air and it ends up on the air sometimes, right. sometimes yeah. not. But it seems like every, every show, every episode of the Mark and Mac show includes animals. Yep. Um, dogs cats mm-hmm. living together mass hysteria <laughs> a lot of references to old movies that you might not have mm-hmm, ever seen man. but we use these phrases all the time yeah. so you feel like you've seen yeah. them stupid criminals uh, yeah. yeah yeah big bang yeah. there's always a big bang reference thrown right. in there so yep. when i saw that a company was offering dog owners 150 dollars to get a canine tattoo yep. my first thought was bark hamill you know uh when when sheldon and amy got married on big bang theory and Mark Hamill from Star Wars was brought in because his dog, you know, got loose and his name was Bark Hamill. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> he, yeah, I thought, what a that's, great name for a dog. But yeah. it was better than Honey Baked Hamill, which came in second place when he had the fans, you know, offering to name the dog. That's so, funny. Anyway, now when I see the name Bark, that's what I think of, Bark mm-hmm. Hamill. And again, there could have been, I don't know, the periodic table or any number of things in the brain, but no, I have bark. Right. Yes, exactly. That's the kind of stuff that sticks to the walls of your brain. Well, there's a pet supply company offering to pay a hundred people, $150 each. If you're willing to get a tattoo of your dog bark, the company behind the popular bark box pet supply subscription service announced it will give $150 gift cards, $150 gift cards to 100 people who agree to ink their skin with images of their canine companions. Lauren Diener, a social media and content manager at Bark, said the promo- the promotion was inspired by her own tattoo, which shows the ears of Stella, her three-year-old pit bull. Diener told the National Desk her boss, Stacy Stacy Grisson, was so impressed that she got Bark to pay for my tattoo, she says. Another co-worker, Eliza Reinhardt, then suggested the tattoo promotion. Diener says a conversation we had in, in a passing moment turned into this huge thing. That was really cool. People interested in the tattoo promotion have until the 2nd of September to share a photo of your best bud and tell them why you want them forever on your bod. The company's website said the winners will be selected by the most dog-obsessed humans on the Bark payroll. Wow. You know, Sylvester Stallone had a tattoo of his wife on his right bicep yeah. that he had changed to his dog. Remember, we had the story last week. Yeah. Um, he had it changed to the the dog that was in the first Rocky movie. Oh, yeah. And then we found out later on that his wife filed for divorce. But um, <laughs> I wonder if it was part of this promotion. You know, he's having the dog, you know. and <laughs> Yeah. I, I think he's going for a $150 gift card. I'm sure he is. Well, <laughs> you know how bad the career's been. You never oh, know. yeah. He has he has really appeared in some real dogs and movies. But like Rambo that. 27 comes out next week. Uh, <laughs> not in theaters and probably uh, it'll be on that YouTube offshoot, you know, right, my tube. Yeah. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mag show and hopefully you're having a great week you know this is the week before a three-day weekend right so i wonder you know mark our weather you you and i've talked about how it's just been a little weird august normally Mm -hmm. you know august in alabama usually it's 95 hot with a chance of an afternoon thunderstorm every day that's the forecast yep and usually a week or two after labor day you know it starts dropping a little bit into the upper 80s and low 90s but our entire month of August has been weird it in has, yeah. terms of the high. We haven't, and I know it's man-made global cooling. Oh, wait <laughs> a minute, Mark. Yeah. That doesn't exist anymore. No, it doesn't. You know? None of those things do anymore. But it's boy, all, they would have. I was just going to say it's all under the umbrella of climate change. Yeah. Yeah. And boy, we've seen it. Been crazy here. And yeah. not fussing. It's just been weird. It's like we, I mean, in August, it, usually you do not have problems keeping the uh the swimming pool warm you know yeah but this this year we've had overnight lows getting into the 60s and i mean a week ago the water's too cold to swim what Mm -hmm. the water in alabama in august is too cold to swim come on man Go figure yeah yeah so anyway but mark earlier today off the air goes hey you know what we're gonna be in the 90s this week you know we are yeah we're gonna be what 92 i think is it says 92 today 87 tomorrow 89 wednesday 91 on thursday and then it starts dropping after that right 
Yeah. Well, that's the thing, you know, but we're looking at this week, you know, being night, being August or a little bit lower, maybe. Yeah. But then Labor Day weekend, 85, yeah. you know, yeah. all we, it's like, so does, is that signifying fall is ready and is going to come bursting you know, fourth, like the Kool-Aid guy. <laughs> oh yeah. It's fall. Man. It's crazy. I don't know, right? but it's, it's going to, it looks like it's going to rain every day. Yeah. Every well, there you day. Go. But you know, that's the thing is like uh, every year, it seems um, that I know to cover the pool, you know, once yeah. the and again, now the kids have moved out and all that, but you know, once you get past uh, the school going back in, there's not a whole lot of swimming that gets done because, nah. uh, you know, with children, once the school takes back in and you've got football and cheerleading and right. all those things, there just isn't time and, and they're just tired of it or whatever. Yeah. Plus, anyway, it's just time to cover the pool. But I don't want to do it when the temperature is in the 90s. It's just there's something wrong about that. And I get burned with this almost every year, Mark, because, you know, you're in September and you're going, but it's so hot outside. It's great. We need to keep the pool open. And then the leaves start falling, and then it's too cold at night. So nobody gets in it. Nobody gets in it from the middle of August on pretty much in my house. Right. And maybe Labor Day. I mean, there might be. You know, like Hannah might have some friends over Labor Day. Maybe. Mm. Maybe. Yeah. But again, there'll probably be girls, and it'll probably be too cold. Right. And, yeah. you know, and Braylon will probably jump in there and try to splash everybody because yeah. he's recovering from COVID. <laughs> I mean, but that's about it. So I've got to keep this pool clean for the next week. Not for me, yeah. but for the chance that somebody somewhere might want to get in and then complain about it being cold like it's my fault. Yep. If it's green, you can blame me. That's true. Me? So. I got to go run all the snakes out of my pool. <laughs> liferadio.fm the mark and mac show and you know um there are little things in life that just kind of crack you up because you don't catch them early you know you think i should have caught that yeah and here's an example bald eagle turns head at north carolina airports tsa checkpoint right when i our buddy rusty mace um lives in eastern north carolina in uh, an area, well, I don't know. He doesn't live there anymore. But, I mean, he's living not where he used to in Carteret County. But there was a town uh, called Moorhead City. Mm. And there is, in Moorhead City, the world headquarters for the Bald Head Association. <laughs> you know, the men. In, and yes. Uh, it's a whole thing. Now, Moorhead, Mark, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and it's right there in a, back in the day, it was a little printing, you know, like, Back before everybody had computers and their own printer, you, if you wanted something copied and printed, you took it to the shop. Right. And it was in one of those little places. And I happened to, I'm driving by and I see, you know, the worldwide capital for the Bald Head Association of America. And I wow. thought, well, that's kind of neat, right? Yeah. Never, I didn't put two and two together. More head. Right. But it didn't, I did not catch on to it, Mark, <laughs> until finally somebody outside the area said, really, Dave? Bald, come on. <laughs> they thought I was kidding. And then it hit me. Okay, now I understand. <laughs> but, dude, I lived there for a year and never put two and two together. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, good grief. I am the biggest dummy of all time. Right. So, whenever I see a story that has bald anything, that's what I think of. Yeah. How dumb I am at my heart and at the depth of my soul. Mm-hmm. I'm a moron. <laughs> Well, travelers at a North Carolina airport were treated to an unusual scene when security screeners there examined an unusual passenger, a bald eagle. Clark, a 19-year-old bald eagle, was caught on camera last Monday at the Transportation Security Administration checkpoint at Charlotte Douglas International Airport. Clark was catching a flight to the World Bird Sanctuary in St. Louis, Missouri, with handler Daniel Cohn. (laughs) TSA Southeast said in a Twitter post, our special guest was Clark the Eagle with the World Bird Sanctuary who decided to give his wings a break and fly commercial. His airline notified us uh, that we screened him and we screened him and his handler. Uh, Clark is trained to spread his wings and even showed off a bit during screening. Mr. Cohen said he and Clark were in North Carolina to make an appearance at the High Point University's convocation ceremony. He said he often makes the flight with the bird of prey on Southwest Airlines planes. He says he flies for High Point University's graduation ceremony, incoming freshman ceremony, and Veterans Day ceremony every year. It's a great experience. Wow. 
Not something you'd expect to see at the airport. I mean, going through, I mean, you're screening your bags. You're thinking about, I got to take my belt off. I got to take my shoes off again. Wait a minute. Is that an eagle? Yeah. (laughs) That's what the guy with the 60 reptiles all hidden on his body was hoping for. (laughs) They'd be distracted, you know. liferadio.fm the mark and mag show where you know what mark we're kind of continuing a theme mm. started off early and continues through now about animals yeah. and a zoo yeah. this time a thai zoo t-h-a-i mm-hmm. thai yeah. zoo not as like in, as, in zip thai, as in thailand yeah yeah right yeah or <laughs> thailand there you go that's it <laughs> do you ever correct somebody when they say thailand. something wrong like that you know do you the, somebody you know that's I, old enough to know better do you correct them or do you just let I, them go? I will. I'm not as frequently as I used to because the older I get, the more I realize, eh, it's not worth it. You know, <laughs> yeah. so because, I was wondering. Yeah, you because know, sometimes, sometimes it's like, eh, yeah, just you know, it's not going to matter. They're they're <clears throat> they're they're going to think you're you know being an idiot for telling them they're an idiot. So eh, yeah, let them be. Okay. Whatever. I'm just but, curious. But a zoo in Thailand, a Thai zoo's escaped animal drill is going viral. They have escaped. They have escaped <laughs> no. animal drills. If if these if these escaped animal drills were really effective, we wouldn't have had the stories about the wallabies wow. and things like that lately. You know. Now you know why Sheldon Cooper is a <laughs> physicist. You know, because if he hadn't been a physicist, this he would have been running drills at the zoo. That's right. Uh, this drill, this escaped animal drill, is going viral after photos and videos emerged showing a zoo employee wearing an ostrich costume fleeing from keepers the chiang mai zoo posted photos to facebook showing the employee dressed in an ostrich costume and makeup being chased through the facilities africa zone by zookeepers after simulating an escape from the zone's show area video shows employees and onlookers laughing as the man mimics the movements of a flight a flightless bird while evading zookeepers bearing nets the Facebook post said the drill was designed to build readiness, enabling real situational management, and to prepare measures for when animals escape. Okay. I'm, I'm with you on the whole thing. Interesting yeah, yeah. idea. Probably not a bit. Be- but dressed in an ostrich costume, I get. But why makeup? I don't know. Well, it's a drill, right? I mean, costu- <laughs> dressed in an ostrich costume and makeup. Yep. Somebody's enjoying this a little too much, Mark. Yeah. I'm thinking that could be the case. It could also be the newbie's job. I mean, every year when they have the, the drill, who's the most recent hire? Hey, you, come yeah. here and pick up the costume and the makeup. We got a job for you. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm, the Mark and Mac show. And, you know, Mark, as we uh, in the final hour of the show and all that, I'm just kind of throwing it out there for you to think about today and tomorrow you know we have a four-day work week next week because monday's off for labor day Mm. and i'm just spitballing here we have done three weeks in a row of five-day work week okay we could you know either jump ship friday morning Mm -hmm. or tack on tuesday it's your call Mm. but i think somewhere along the way here we either end up with a three-day work week one week or two four-day work weeks just Mm. think about it just i'm just planting the seed there we go now all right. I like the way this is going. You're All running right. it up the flag, and I'm really feeling like saluting. I really am. Okay. So let's give her a shot. I'll get All back right. to you. I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Mm. So a British stunt driver breaks parallel parking record. <laughs> hmm. I didn't know there. This goes back to what you said. They right. make it up. Yeah, I know. They do. There's a category for everything. If you don't believe it, just call them. And if they don't have one, they'll say, Would you like to do that? <laughs> And that's what'll happen. They'll create a category for you. What is that? It's a major award. Shucks, I wouldn't have known that. It looks like a lamb. Yep, a stunt driver at the British Motor Show broke two Guinness World Records, one for parallel parking and another for doing donuts around a motorcycle. Paul Swift took on the Guinness World Record for the tightest parallel park in an electric car twice during the British Motor Show in Farnborough, England. Swift's first attempt on the first day of the show successfully set the record with 13 point inches, 13.8 inches to spare. He broke his own record on the fourth day of the show, parking with 11.8 inches to spare. He said after breaking the record for a second time, I'm shaking like a leaf. 
Swift also took on the record for most donuts around a motorcycle performing a wheelie in one minute. Swift drove a Ford Mustang in tight circles around motorcycle stuntman J.D. Stunts. Yeah, that's his real name. He successfully broke the record on his first attempt by driving in eight tight circles around the motorcycle and bettered his total with 10 donuts on his second attempt. Wow. Mm, Donuts. Shaking like a leaf. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Mark. I've seen these guys do this where they come at a high speed, you know, swing the car around and slide sideways into the space. Mm. Oh, yeah. I thought we had like the the dodge of all life careers, you know. <laughs> but this time, this guy beat us at that. <laughs> LifeRadio.fm. It is the Mark and Mac show, and you know, as we travel along, singing the song side by side. <laughs> Many's the time I've wondered, Mark. Yes. <laughs> What is that man looking for on the beach? You know, <laughs> that guy with the sun visor and the black socks and the sandals and the metal detector. Yeah, that yeah, guy. Why? <laughs> Just why? <laughs> well, a Massachusetts man, fitting that description, reunited a woman with her diamond ring after spending three days using his metal detector to search the ocean at a New Hampshire beach. Francesca wow. Teal said she and her hubby were throwing a football in waist-deep water at North Beach in Hampton, New Hampshire, when her diamond wedding ring, a family heirloom that originally belonged to her great-grandmother, flew off her finger. Wow. Teal said she and her husband searched for hours but were unable to find the ring. She said, uh, it's a very small piece of material in this huge ocean. In that moment, my heart sank. Teal posted a request wow. for help on Facebook. The post came to the Thank attention. You, Captain Obvious. <laughs> no. <laughs> she posted a request for help on Facebook. That post came to the attention of Marshfield, Massachusetts resident Lou Ash. Uh, ASCII, that's, I'm just going to pronounce it ASCII. ASCII drove more than 75 miles to search for Teal's lost ring. He, he told the Washington Post, we've all lost something that was important to us. I, I had to at least put in the effort. He ended up spending about 15 hours over the course of three days using his metal detector to search for the ring. He finally sent Teal a photo of the diamond ring he found, writing, please tell me this is the ring so I can finally get off this beach. <laughs> wow. The ring was indeed Teal's. And the precious item was returned to its grateful owner. Wow. Okay. So he's doing this woman a solid. He says, I've got to, got to at least put in the effort. And then he's complaining about it. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. Tell me so I can get off this beach. <laughs> I'm guessing this guy's retired, man. I'm just. <laughs> he would have to be. Just guessing. Yeah. I'm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Mark and Mac are back. The Mark and Mac Show. Weekday mornings on LifeRadio.fm.